0: and complimented the special this, purpose uh, grand jury at, at the uh, end. He released what he was rightfully pissed at Giuliani. It was around for a lot of things, obviously. I mean, being a fascist, for trying to overthrow our democracy. But that was right around the time of the uh, Dobbs decision. Uh, and Rudy Giuliani was out there bragging and boasting about it. Giuliani was there because his son Andrew was doing a vanity run for governor. And Trump and Giuliani were trying to get Andrew to be the governor so that Andrew could eventually pardon Donald Trump for all of his state law uh, crimes uh, that he would be prosecuted for and eventually uh, charged and convicted of. And so you had this situation where Giuliani was there for this, like, meet and greet. Staten Island uh, is an area that has more trumpers than i would like uh in 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 new york and the shoprite employee daniel gild goes over to giuliani kind of just pats him on the back and says what's up scumbag and then walks away he didn't hit him he didn't attack him he patted him on the back Do i I think he should have patted him on the back in general no but it was definitely not anything of a physical attack. Uh, Thereafter, Rudy Giuliani uh, and some of the MAGA supporters around there reached out to the Staten Island police and then uh, made sure that Daniel Gill was not just arrested, but was charged with elder abuse and was charged with a felony for attacking Rudy Giuliani. And so Daniel Gill actually went to prison uh he could if it was just like a misdemeanor thing, Gil would have just got a ticket but uh because of the lies that Giuliani told, he went to jail uh once the video was uh, uh once the video surfaced. Then it was immediately, the charge was immediately dropped to a misdemeanor, and then the case was eventually dismissed once it was clear what happened. But yeah, Giuliani then went on uh, various TV interviews right after and basically said, it felt like he shot me, the vibrations were... So significant because he hit me so hard that the woman standing next to me almost fell down (laughs) because I was hit so hard. And he went all in that he was attacked and assaulted in a very violent manner. That's not at all what took place. And so uh, this Daniel Gill lost his job at ShopRite, no longer a grocery store worker. Uh, His name has been completely muddied up. Uh, and he was uh, in jail for a period of time. And so he's not only suing Rudy Giuliani for defamation and other uh, tortious conduct, he's also suing the police officers here, the uh, NYPD officers in Staten Island, because he says, look, all they had to do was look at the tape. I told them, I said, look at the tape. And you will see, And he said they were just trying to basically do Rudy Giuliani a favor here uh, and got kind of all, uh, got ordered by Rudy Giuliani to do this. So the case is against the officers who arrested him as well as Giuliani. So you've got a, uh, what's called a Section 1983 Civil Rights Claim for a wrongful arrest and malicious prosecution. And then you've got a conspiracy charge against Rudy Giuliani for aiding and abetting And then you have these other state law claims against Rudy Giuliani for essentially uh, defaming him. So that's that case. And then, of course, we see Rudy Giuliani. And I'll I'll pass it back to you. It's like uh, basketball right now. We'll pass each other uh, the ball (laughs) right here. Then Rudy Giuliani. so we learn that Rudy Giuliani's like lawyer in another case he's being sued for uh, <laughs> is resigning, saying Giuliani's not paying the bills. And then there's another federal case involving Ruby Three and Shay Moss, who sued Giuliani for defamation in Washington, D.C., where Giuliani has not participated in the required discovery they sent some document requests turnover records and Rudy Giuliani's responses all of my records are in the possession or were in the possession of the DOJ and FBI when uh, they executed a search warrant I've been given a forensic uh, copy of what they took from my offices, but I'm too broke to be able to access that. I think he claims he's in arrears close to $300,000 with the electronic discovery company that now controls the forensic image of his uh, of the various documents that he has, and he says he can't even afford to have them run future searches. So tell us, what did Judge Beryl Howell yeah. do there?
1: Yeah, let's start with that one. Then we'll go to Bruce Castor, who used to be Donald Trump's impeachment lawyer, hailing out on Rudy Giuliani in another election worker defamation case in Philadelphia. Oh, we have it up there. I'll start with that one. So Bruce Castor, people remember him. There were two guys that defended Donald Trump during the uh, second impeachment you you know you really have to keep track of all the impeachments and criminal prosecutions of donald trump Um, it was him and another guy named david shine um who also represented steve bannon Um, this was the taller of the two gentlemen and uh, he's the philadelphia suburbs of philadelphia republican right-wing lawyer he claims that rudy giuliani in the case that was brought by mr savage a lawyer a uh, election worker who rudy giuliani attacked wrongfully falsely as being involved in some uh, voter election fraud to flip votes from biden to, to uh, from trump to, to biden he claims that rudy giuliani is not cooperating with him okay? in terms of setting depositions or providing okay, information Mom? so he can't provide counsel to a client Mm -hmm. that's not cooperating and secondly, he was never supposed to be the lawyer he was supposed to be the local counsel some Texas lawyer, unnamed was supposed to come in for Rudy Giuliani, who never did. Hmm, I can kind of think of what Texas lawyer is out there. Uh, I can think of a couple of them that are uh, that have a, a bar license problems, and that there was supposed to be a litigation fund that was raised for Rudy Giuliani's defense of these cases, and that didn't show up. So Rudy hasn't paid him, and he wants, and he successfully got the court in Philadelphia to uh, grant his motion to withdraw and take him out of the case. So as of right this minute, in that defamation case in Philadelphia,
2: uh, Rudy Giuliani
1: has no representation. And Philadelphia in Pennsylvania, as people may recall, is really important for things related to Rudy Giuliani because he lost his New York bar license, got suspended because of his actions in Pennsylvania in trying to overturn improperly the election. So you got all that going on. Then, fast forward. This is this. This show should be the one degree, the one degree of separation, or one degree of Rudy Giuliani, because everything kind of relates back to him. Ruby Freeman and uh, Shay Moss, the mother-daughter plaintiffs, who were just election workers doing their civic duty, working in Fulton County and State Farm Arena, counting votes, and got attacked and accused by Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump himself, claiming that they were bringing in fraudulent ballots in favor of Joe Biden and feeding him into the machine to be uh, to be vote counted. When all they were doing is proper procedure for taking ballots that were counted and putting them in a locked case underneath their desk. It wasn't a secret suitcase, which, which Rudy Giuliani told the world on network and cable news. That, would be, that was something untoward about it. They were following proper procedure. But these two, two poor women... Got doxed mercilessly and attacked by Baca, so much so that they needed police protection, which the judge, Judge Beryl Howell, used to be the chief judge at D.C. Circuit Court, and now just a regular trial judge, acknowledged in her in um, the uh, order that she granted, uh, the order where she denied Rudy Giuliani's motion to dismiss this defamation case. So, the other the other defendant in the case, um, a One America Media, which is some right-wing news channel that I don't watch. They already got out of the case, paid Ruby Freeman and Shay and, uh, Moss a, a disclosed settlement amount, apologized on their network to them huh. for the false reporting, but Rudy's still digging in. And he currently has a lawyer, even though he lost the one in Philadelphia. He currently has a lawyer for D.C., and Judge Beryl Howell has sort of had enough with, with the, all the shenanigans um, and foot-dragging and add faith in discovery, the discovery process that Rudy Giuliani has exhibited, his refusal to schedule depositions, coming up with excuses for why he couldn't attend. He's sick one day. He's gotta to go to the, uh, the chemical oil, the chemical spill in, in Ohio another day. But he's had it. He's also not been producing properly emails, WhatsApp messages and other documents and the discovery is about to close in that case there's a deadline the court set for third week in may to shut the door on discovery so that the case can go to trial but but the plaintiff understandably is not ready because of things like we, you know jenna ellis avoiding being served with her subpoena for a deposition rudy giuliani refusing to sit for a deposition um somebody we'll talk about later which is another lawyer for donald trump and the deposition they want to take of him So Beryl Howell said, you know what, we're going to do an evidentiary hearing in my courtroom, and I want Rudy Giuliani in my courtroom, that was just a day or so ago, and I think it was yesterday, and in that courtroom, which is very unusual, just for people that like to follow our kind of uh, Legal AF Law School Academy, Generally, lawyers go to conferences about discovery abuse or discovery sanction, not the clients. She ordered Rudy Giuliani to appear in person, not by video. He showed up, and this was a three-hour hearing, and the judge said, why, why aren't you producing the emails and WhatsApps? And they came up with the story that you gave a little bit about, a little bit ago, Ben, about, uh, well, you know, all of my devices two Aprils ago were, were confiscated in a in a, in a dawn raid of my uh. apartment. And um, I, I only have images of all of those things. So that's one. She said, all right, but it sounds like you have it in your possession. What else? She says, uh, it's really expensive for me to go through all of my servers and documents and, and devices. And and there's an outside service, but they want $320,000. And she's like, okay. And I don't have the money. Yeah. And and literally fled poverty those because the judge recited those words in her courtroom and said I am impoverished and I can't pay for that and she said basically I don't believe you at your word you're gonna have to file a financial affidavit
2: which is completely
1: unusual so everybody knows until you get to the end of a case and you get like a money judgment or there's punitive damages involved you rarely get any financial information from the other side. It's just not relevant to the, usually the underlying facts of a case. And, and, you know, there is a case law that protects people from having their most intimate financial affairs laid bare in a lawsuit. You know, you may yeah, owe somebody yeah. money, but it doesn't mean in the beginning of the lawsuit you get to turn over all your bank records. However... If you're going to look a federal judge in the eye and say, I don't have the money, she may require you to prove it. So now, Ben, he's got to do this whole x-ray process where he has to reveal Everything about his financial affairs, how much he's owed, how much he owes, who owes him money, who does he owe money to, what happened in this divorce uh, with uh, Judy Nathan. where like, uh, Where is your money? And Why don't you have 320? So this completely backfired for him. I'm sure off the seat of his pants, he decided to BS the uh, tap dance in front of the federal judge and say, I just can't afford it, and didn't expect her to turn back on him and say, prove it sworn affidavit, all your finances now. I know he wasn't expecting that. He was rumbling outside the courtroom, but he's now gonna to have to comply. He's not gonna be able to appeal that. That's not really an appealable order. So Rudy doesn't have money to pay his lawyer in Philadelphia. Rudy's has, looks like he has very little money, but if he lied to that federal judge, this is where he's got a problem. So he's so used to like double talking. If he lied to her, He doesn't disclose every bank account, stock account, real estate owned, and all of that, and his debts, as as if he were like a bankrupt person filing a bankruptcy petition. And she catches that, that he misled her in court about the amount that he really has available to pay for these things. He's a serious... Crap, including contempt, civil contempt or criminal contempt. I mean, as much as we have issues with Rudy Giuliani, I pray for him that he didn't just lie to the federal judge about his finances. No, I don't
0: pray for him there, and I'll leave you. <laughs> I'll leave you with this final thought on this topic before moving on to what's going on in Fulton County, Georgia, which is very frequently on this show and throughout the Midas Touch Network, we talked about how a legal strategy for Trump or a Giuliani backfires. I think it backfires on their lawyers to the extent their lawyers actually think they're representing a client, right? And that's the big fallacy here. Like, a takapina, a parlatori. we are going to talk about Ray Smith in a little bit, to the extent they think they're representing a client, they are not in Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not somebody, and Rudy Giuliani isn't somebody, actually trying to defend themselves within the justice system we have here in the United States of America. They are actually defending a force of fascism that is seeking to rip apart the institution. So when we talk about is this backfiring, what if I give you this hypothesis, which is that the very plan is to lose, claim victimhood, and then try to galvanize the cult to rip down the system that the very essence of MAGA is being a victim, is being a loser and trying to coalesce a coalition of fascist leaning losers to try to rip apart fiber by fiber this great justice system we have here and when i think about what also went down this week where you have jim jordan who is not even a licensed lawyer running the judiciary committee in the house of representatives and as a licensed lawyer as someone who teaches law as someone who practices law The fact that you as the Republican Party would have chairing your Judiciary Committee, someone who is not a licensed lawyer, and perhaps that's the nicest thing you can say about Jim Jordan, who, when confronted in these hearings by real lawyers, people like superstar Democratic freshman Congress member Dan Goldman, a former federal prosecutor who says, you're not even following the rules here. What does somebody like a Jim Jordan say? Well, it's the prerogative of the chair to do this. The prerogative of the chair. You know huh. what that sounds like? That sounds like what goes down in Russia. That's, what, what, that's yeah. what goes down in fascist countries where, you know, the prerogative of the chair is to do this. So when we also show you these videos on the Midas Touch Network of like what goes down in the Judiciary Committee where you actually have like fake whistleblowers that the GOP is trotting out there who are being paid by losers like Kash Patel who tried to overthrow our democracy. When they put these people there and they call them whistleblowers, people who sympathize with January 6th insurrections, that is the system that they want to create. So when we talk about is it backfiring, one of the things I also want to scrutinize is the very nature of what Trump and his ilk are trying to do is to play the system needs to be destroyed and we need to build in its place this dystopian apocalyptic fascist system where by decree it is the prerogative of people like Jim Jordan, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, all taking their orders from Donald Trump. Let's talk about the real law and order in Fulton County, Georgia right after this quick break. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. Look, everyone knows how annoying cheap razors are. The cuts, the irritation, the frustration. And don't get me started with just in razor services, the headaches that those can cause. That's why you got to meet Henson Shaving. Henson Shaving is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that has made parts for the ISS. That's the International Space Station and Mars Rover. And now they're bringing precision engineering to your shaving experience. For sponsoring this episode. Welcome back to Legal AF. Ben Micell is joined by Michael Popak. We inch closer as we approach this summer, Michael Popak, to the indictments in Fulton County, Georgia, that we have been talking about here on Legal AF for some time. Big news out of Fulton County uh, this past week, where uh, the Fulton County District Attorney Faunee Willis indicated when these indictments may take place. I want to pass that part over to you. But first, the theme of this episode, Ma- episode MAGA, episode. Make Attorneys, Get Attorneys. We've been talking about that Ruby Freeman-Shane Moss defamation case against Giuliani. And one of the things that Ruby Freeman and Shane Moss's lawyers are trying to get in Discovery is also the deposition of someone by the name of Ray Smith III. Ray Smith III was Donald Trump's lead lawyer in Georgia, filing all of those frivolous Georgia lawsuits for Donald Trump. Ray Smith III was also at the fake elector meeting in Georgia, where the MAGA Republicans signed a fake electoral certificate claiming that Trump won instead of President Biden, when President Biden was indeed the winner in Georgia, and they sent that certification to Washington, D.C. to be counted on January 6th. And so, Ray Smith was subpoenaed by Freeman and Moss's lawyers, and Ray Smith kind of did the MAGA shuffle. First, some other lawyer shows up, some lawyer Martin shows up, and he's like, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be cooperative. Then some other lawyer shows up, and the lawyer that shows up is someone by the name of Randy Evans, by the way, Randy Evans was Donald Trump's uh, ambassador to Luxembourg, someone in Donald Trump's inner circle. And then Randy Evans tells Shane Moss and Ruby Freeman's lawyer, hey, let, let, let's be civil about this. Okay, okay, Ray Smith will invoke his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. He's a target of the Fulton County District Attorney's criminal investigation, but let's come up with a streamlined process where he could show up He'll invoke his myth. Let's not waste time here, right? So, Ruby Freeman and Moss's lawyers, the day before the deposition, to streamline the process, send over the categories and topics. Here's what we'll be asking. And then Randy Evans says, you know what? Uh, actually, Ray Smith is not going to be showing up anymore. These topics are way too broad, and there's no way he's going to, you know, sit there and, and endure such questioning and have to invoke the fifth. So, Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss's lawyers filed a motion with the court saying, look, what, look what's going on here. That's how we learned that Ray Smith, another Trump lawyer, make attorneys, get attorneys, is under criminal investigation by Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Willis. Hope anything you want to add regarding Ray Smith and then tell us what we learned about what we've learned about the timing of the Fulton County District Attorney uh filing of, of an actual the, the the criminal case against Donald Trump and co-conspirators.
1: Ray Smith the third is a bad bad man. <laughs> he uh was very very active which is why he's in the crosshairs of Willis's investigation. I don't know about witness target. somewhere in the middle. That sounds like he's doing a rock and a hard place. I think he's a target. I think he's a target. And we will see at the end of July, the beginning of August about whether he'll be indicted, but he was the point person. He was really the lead lawyer, not Giuliani for all things, Georgia election interference by Donald Trump filing all those lawsuits. He used uh, a now disgraced um, soon to be former lawyer, Lynn Wood. To file lawsuits to challenge the certification of the election in Georgia, which lost to challenge um, the vote count which lost um, in fact every as we know almost every uh, virtually every case filed by Donald Trump and his band of lawyers failed um, that 's why of course uh, Joe Biden, 16. who won the election and was properly certified that I he won him? the election is our president so I don't want to let Ray Smith the third off the hook, um, even though we haven't focused much on him. I think Fonny Willis has. And certainly Shea Moss and uh, Ruby Freeman, the mother-daughter team that's uh, suing over, uh, the de- rightly suing over defamation, wants to hear what he has to say. And Beryl Howell, the judge, is going to decide whether he, and I think will, make him sit for his deposition. And he can try to take the Fifth Amendment. You and I have talked at length, we'll do it again soon, about what taking the Fifth Amendment means in the context of a civil case where you're also um the subject of it and the jury will be instructed to take an adverse inference in favor of the plaintiff and against um against this person every time they ask him a question um, were you, you know, uh, were you, uh, were you involved with the uh, lawsuits uh, concerning the interference with the election in Georgia? I take the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination. Jury can interpret that as yes, I did something bad. So, um, and we'll see that when we ultimately talk about the Manhattan DA, And update there at another time. We'll talk about what's going on with the um, the Allen Weiselbergs, for instance, of the world, and the Fifth Amendment application. So that's Ray Smith. Let's talk about. The, really the bombshell for me for the week. If I had to pick one development during this week that was the most momentous of the week, it would be Connie Willis sending a letter to 21 Fulton Uh County, Georgia officials, including the chief judge, Uh informing them that she does not, she would like there to be no other court activity no other trials scheduled by the judge by judges during a two to three week period in August. She doesn't want any unnecessary personnel downtown. Um, she doesn't want um, she wants the FBI to be coordinating along with the sheriff's Department of Fulton County to provide proper security downtown. Why? Well because the there is a grand jury that'll be meeting at starting July 31st. And if she gets her indictment within a week of that, that in the second or third week of August, she'll be unsealing an indictment. And if we read the tea leaves, including what the uh, the uh, former jury foreperson of the special grand jury, the non-indicting grand jury, said, that we're not going to be surprised by anybody that they recommended the indicted. And we're going to see Donald Trump indicted um, and and have that indictment unsealed during that period. And she is worried, Bonnie Willis, about having um, people, bad people against democracy, against justice, descend on Fulton County and try to disrupt that process, causing damage um, and injury and maybe worse to property and people. She said, she told the the 21 officials, the only people from her office that will be in the office not working remotely are going to be her senior executive team, including herself, and armed investigators, people that carry weapons. Those are going to be the ones that are down there. For those that have never visited Atlanta, I go there quite often. My mother actually lives down there, as does my sister. The triangle of the the, uh, Georgia State House... The uh, the D.A. district attorney's office for Fulton County, her office and the courthouse are all across from each other. We're all in one triangle. And uh, that would be the ground zero for any kind of attack situation. And she's got to be worried about that. This is not like New York. In New York, there's one, there's one or two ways into the city and one or two ways out through bridges and tunnels. And the New York City Police Department is one of the finest in the world in terms of surveilling problems. You know, they rival most other countries, FBI's or CIA's. And so it was different when Donald Trump was indicted uh, with 34 counts by the Manhattan DA's office. Fulton County sits at the intersection of a ribbon of highways and byways that people can get on and get off of, and they could quickly overwhelm law enforcement, which is why she wants the FBI involved and the Sheriff's Department and maybe the National Guard. She talks to to Governor Kemp, although he's a Republican. I doubt he will do it. But what did we learn? I think it's going to be indictments the end of July during the next regular session of the grand jury. And then she unseals those indictments in the middle of August. And people that we have been talking about at length the last two years, Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, um, and Donald Trump himself, I think are likely to be indicted under this conspiracy theory. The RICO conspiracy theory that you and I have talked about, at, like, you know, what's so interesting about the RICO conspiracy theory is that even though
0: this, what I'm about to talk about is not evidence of the conspiracy theory, it kind of demonstrates it symbolically. And that is Donald Trump filed this motion um, I think back in March to try to disqualify the judge. That's always his go to move. Right to disqualify Judge Robert McBurney, who's done an incredible job supervising uh, the special purpose grand jury, uh, to disqualify the Fulton County District Attorney's Office, Uh. Bonnie Willis, and her office from further investigating crimes, uh, and also to stop the publication of the special purpose grand jury report And by the way, the special purpose grand jury, just so everybody remembers, the special purpose grand jury is different than a actual grand jury. Under a very unique provision, under Georgia law, you can, you don't have to, you can impanel a special purpose grand jury which can conduct criminal investigations and then prepare a report and recommendations. Those recommendations don't have to be followed by the Fulton County District Attorney and don't have to be accepted by a future grand jury. But ultimately, the special purpose grand jury uh, does not actually criminally indict, just makes recommendations. So they prepare a report and recommendations, about an eight page report. Only three of the sections have been unredacted. Everything else remains redacted, so you can't actually see who's being recommended for indictments. We suspect it's Trump, Giuliani, the fake electors and other co conspirators. Um, but That report would then go in front of a grand jury. A grand jury will be impaneled, and the timeline that Michael Popak just discussed, that July to August, is when we expect the grand jury to actually issue the indictments, to vote on the indictments. Remember, the same way in Manhattan, a grand jury voted on the indictments. So Donald Trump filed a motion saying that the special purpose grand jury report Caused him an injury. <laughs> and that injury gives him standing to file a lawsuit, doing? to file a motion. Uh, it wasn't a formal lawsuit, but a motion within the proceedings to intervene to engage in. All of the requested relief to make the requested relief i just described disqualify the judge block the report from coming out disqualify the district attorney's office to prevent the report from being used by uh the grand jury when the grand jury is impaneled and in response to that uh the fulton county district attorney's office basically said, what's your injury? You don't have standing. Why would a report cause you any injury at all? Uh And then also it's frivolous for a variety of other reasons. You can't just say the judge is biased against you because you don't like the judge's ruling. And you can't just claim there's an appearance of impropriety by the Fulton County District Attorney. You have to show hard proof of an actual bias and that the prosecution is being driven by this public malice that's at issue, and you're not following the standards uh, in Georgia for making those claims. But before the Fulton County District Attorney filed that opposition to Trump's motion, somebody joined Donald Trump's motion. A joinder was filed saying, me too, I want to have the same things that he has. We're related, aren't we, Judge? And that was someone by the name of Kathy Latham who's Kathy Latham. Kathy Latham is the former chair of the Coffee County GOP in Georgia. She's a fake elector, and not only a fake elector, she was the person who let Donald Trump's campaign forensic people to go into the Coffee County election offices and steal election data from the office to steal private election data on voters so that Trump and his ilk can spread the conspiracy theories about why they claim they won Georgia when they were just completely and utterly lying. So if you think about a RICO and racketeering uh, type of charge that deals with a common plan and scheme such that you charge the mafia boss with the conduct of the kind of lieutenants and, and other individuals under them, just think about this kind of tree and network. You've got Donald Trump. Under Donald Trump, you've got Sidney Powell and Giuliani. They first wanted to steal or to have uh, the Department of Defense or the Department of Homeland Security seize voting machines, um, when it turned out they couldn't get that done, they said, well, what if we did this? What if we had local election officials who were sympathetic to MAGA conspiracy just steal the data from the local election office? Then you don't need to actually seize the machines. So then... They reached out to people like Kathy Latham. And by the way, this took place in other states as well. There's an example of this in in Michigan that's being investigated there. So then Kathy Latham lets in these Trump-hired forensic people who steal the election data. So the, 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 the crimes that Kathy Latham can be charged with are ultimately can be imputed as part of the common plan and scheme to charge Donald Trump with the, the theft of the, of the election Georgia data using the racketeering RICO statute modality that I just described for you right there so when Kathy Latham the then Republican joins Republican Donald Trump's motion that is an example oh, of backfire maybe not <laughs> so then it just looks like okay if you're Trump's lawyer you're like we don't want her to join we don't we don't want to be shoulder to shoulder with that person we want to separate so that was an interesting development there then Trump's lawyer after the Fulton County District Attorney's Office filed their opposition saying that Trump's not even injured like this is a frivolous motion deny it Trump's lawyer said we want 21 days to file a reply and the judge says you know what not only am I not going to give you 21 days, but I'm not going to give you a reply. Enough. I have too much paperwork here as it is. Like, I don't need to see anything more. If I want more, I'll ask it. But I am good. Your motion to file a reply, Donald Trump, is denied. Opak, nah. any more
1: follow-up you have on that point? Yeah, just just last thing. The. The difference between a special purpose grand jury and a regular grand jury the candidate we've talked about the reason that donald trump hired these lawyers um we've talked about them uh uh, fiddling and another lawyer locally is because um they wanted to try to take away the ability of the uh, prosecutor phony willis to use the results and the development of five or six months of witness testimony over 70 witness testified before the special purpose grant jury thousands and thousands of documents were presented and she's allowed under a unique aspect of Georgia law um, that allows hearsay to be brought into the regular grand jury different than in new york where you can't have hearsay you have to have witnesses with knowledge testify live she's able to bring in under her arm that full report that you and i have never seen that we're dying to see for the special purpose grand jury and present it and the witness statements and the testimony as much as she wants for the special purpose grand jury and she'll pepper in there. She'll bring in some live witnesses because that's impactful with a jury. You just don't want to bore the jury to death reading out loud transcripts from some other proceedings. So she won't do that. But it gives her a lot of flexibility on how she presents her case. Uh. Not just the case that she presented to the special purpose grand jury. The case that she's going to present to the normal, regular grand jury. Doesn't have to match one-to-one. She, she did not necessarily present a, a, a full-blown RICO conspiracy case Pardon me to the special purpose grand jury. She will to the regular grand jury. He 's trying to get in the middle of that Donald Trump by arguing she can't use any of that because the special purpose grand jury is tainted because of the comments that were made by the uh, by some of the jurors including the, the jury four person and it was biased and it was against him and and therefore the whole thing should be thrown out she, she has to start all over again and just present her case in its totality to the uh, special uh, to the regular grand jury and not get the benefit of all the work she did at the special purpose grand jury let me just make the prediction. That attack is going to lose. McBurney who supervised the actual process, Chief Judge McBurney, from the very beginning when he was the Chief Judge and is still continuing in his role of supervising the the process um, had many hearings during the process to talk about process. He even chastised Foddy Willis a couple of times about things that she did, reminded her who she worked for, which was for him to make sure that process uh, uh, was going well, and complimented the special purpose grand jury. At the end, he released what he wanted from it. He was fine ultimately with the with the jury foreperson giving interviews. This is the judge. He is not. Going to invalidate six or seven months of work at the special purpose grand jury to, to deny Faunee Willis the ability to use it at the regular grand jury in July. And they can go take their appeal, uh, whatever they want to do, it would actually ultimately go to the Georgia Supreme Court. Um, but she is going in with the special purpose grand jury material and whatever else she supplements it with to get her indictment against Donald Trump at the end of July. And all of this is very interesting for you. You and i to talk about but it's not going to result i don't believe in a disqualification or having the entire work of the special purpose grand jury voided stay tuned a lot a lot a
0: lot coming down the pipeline in fulton county out of uh, also special counsel jack smith's investigation uh, that's currently with the various grand juries in washington dc i think we'll also be hearing more from manhattan uh district attorney don't forget as well you've got the attorney general uh lawsuit against donald trump which uh for at least i mean at least hundreds of millions of dollars that's scheduled for october 3rd of this year and as the judge said, come hell or high water, that case will be going to trial as well. Thank you all so much for watching this episode of Legal AF. Do me oh, this favor. It. If you can make sure, if you just watch this on YouTube, you also subscribe sure on audio on podcast as well. So whatever audio podcast device you use, sure it that's Apple, if it's Google Play, if it's Stitcher, if it's Spotify, whichever one you use, just search Legal AF By Midas Touch. Search Legal AF and make sure you hit subscribe and leave a five-star review. That would be super helpful if you did that. If you listen only on audio, go to the Midas Touch YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe on YouTube to Midas Touch as well. We are on our way to 1.5 million subscribers here on the Midas Touch network, which I hope by this summer we can achieve. Want to thank all of the Legal AFers out there. Oh, by the way, go to store.midastouch.com for the best pro democracy gear and Legal AF. F here. All the Legal AFers, thank you so much. All the mightiest mighty. Thank you so much. None of this is possible without you. Michael Popak and I are so grateful for everything you do to protect, preserve, and defend our democracy. Share Legal AF with friends, family, co-workers, colleagues, anybody you know goes a long way to help this show as well. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. And shout out to the might is mighty.
3: Right. I'm chopping up onions. All right. Switch it. Switch it up. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. We're gonna rock, rock, rock till broad daylight. We're gonna
2: rock, rock, rock around the clock tonight.
3: We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. We're gonna rock, rock, rock till broad daylight. We're gonna rock, gonna rock all around the clock tonight. Indictment summer. Let's see y'all still there? Oh yes, you are hello darlings. Let's see if my such has anything other great stuff new. Republicans get utterly destroyed by parents?
4: Ten hours ago. I'm extremely disappointed in the way an inclusive Mother's Day lesson was cancelled and my kid's librarian has been vilified. The motivation behind cancellation of a compassionate literacy lesson sends a message to minorities and LGBTQ families that their existence is unacceptable. By shielding your kids from love that looks different than yours, you're turning them into bullies and crippling them from living successfully in a diverse world. The books that were to be shared have been accessible at Alpine Crest Elementary for nearly a decade.
2: No. So you're telling me that these books have been around for all these years and nobody seemed to take any issue with them until the manufactured anti-woke war formed by republicans to make up for the fact that the majority of the country does not subscribe to their medieval beliefs so the only way to claw back any semblance of power is to fear
4: which of quote-unquote parental rights and freedom hides the sinister fact of this legislative textbooks that have already been banned due to Republican measures. The life of Rosa
2: Parks. No, say it isn't so. I'm curious, uh, where were the calls to ban these books Look since on. they've been around for a while and cancel inclusive events during the Trump administration? Interesting how they weren't an issue back then. This past weekend, while most were enjoying Miller's Day, conservatives in Tennessee were ruining it for the others. At a Hamilton President School Board hearing, Atenoga area parents let the school board Superintendent Justin Robertson And board members know how they felt About them caving to a group Called Moms for Liberty Right because nothing says liberty like Book banning and cancelling events Well they bullied their way into cancelling A librarian's mother day lesson Inclusive to get this Kids without moms I mean because that's a pressing issue in America
4: The books that were to be shared have been accessible At Alpine Crest Elementary for nearly a decade And are logged and online These books are well known for tackling blended families, adopted families, foster families, or any family that doesn't fit perfectly into a box. All students, families, and educators deserve to be respected and feel valued. I'm extremely disappointed in the way an inclusive Mother's Day lesson was canceled and my kid's librarian has been vilified. I knew there would be pushback from a few loud bullies, but I'm enraged that the administration sided with them. A majority of families have been denied an important lesson in our increasingly diversified world and a platform was given to a group of fear-mongering extremists. This group claims that a story about a bear is pushing trans ideology, and a story about a girl feeling left out during Mother's Day is pushing a homosexual agenda. They say this is sexualization of children when they're the only ones that brought sex into it. The only agenda I'm seeing play out is that of Moms for Liberty, a well-funded and connected political group that preys on vulnerable people with manufactured outrage in the guise of protecting children. I'm here right now to protect my children from them. I'd have to strongly disagree that this group cares about the safety of all kids. The motivation behind cancellation of a compassionate literacy lesson sends a message to minorities and LGBTQ families that their existence is unacceptable. By shielding your kids from love that looks different than yours, you're turning them into bullies and crippling them from living successfully in a diverse world.
0: I've never seen them name shoveling mulch, putting up swing sets, painting door frames. We're here in the trenches. We're here with these children. This is 2023. I'm a Christian man married to a woman but I think everyone should be represented fairly. If you want to keep your kids in a closet and just shelter them from everything, homeschool them. Send them to Christian school. This is a public schools for everyone. Everyone
1: dealt with that woman. She loves these kids.
4: Instead of backing Mrs. Mickey up, you let the bullies win. When you let the bullies win they're going to keep bullying. I understand that these adult bullies have intimidated and incited an ungodly amount of hate in our community, but you HCS leadership and admin must show them that you have a zero tolerance policy for bullying. When you have a board policy that states you expect all students to treat each other with civility and respect, and then you let grown adults bully one of your educators and you let them interrupt the education of our students, you're teaching the community. That you don't actually mean what you say. This
2: being in the same state that suffered one of the most horrific mass shootings recently, at the hands of the number one threat to kids in America, gun violence. Why? why what are you protecting? Why can we prohibit children from voting, those under 18 from voting?
0: Why are you banning that? Is is that free speech? Are you infringing on that
3: performer's free speech? They can continue to exercise their free speech, just not in front of a child. Why? Because the government does have a responsibility to protect. I'm sorry. The government does have a responsibility in
0: uh-huh. certain institutions. What's the children. leading cause of death amongst children in this country? And I'm going to give you a hint. It's not drag show readings to children. Correct, yes. <laughs> so what is it? I'm presuming you're going to say it's firearms. No, I'm not going to say it like it's an opinion. That's what it is it's firearms more than cancer more than car accidents and what you're telling me is you don't mind infringing free speech to protect children from this amorphous thing that you think of but when it comes to children that have died you don't give a flying fuck to
2: stop that because that shall not be infringed that it's hypocrisy at its highest order. But yet this is where conservative groups are focusing their energy. And this is why both sides are not the same. Hey Midas Mighty, love this report? Continue the conversation by following
0: us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for?
1: Follow us now.
3: Make a pizza. Right on. Trump shot down after the leaves desperate removed to Hey everybody, Harry here to talk about the latest filing, a pretty important one in the New York DA, Alvin Bragg's criminal lawsuit and indictment, first in our nation's history against a former president of Trump for roughly, you'll recall, the whole um, hush money scheme paid out. Uh, to Stormy Daniels in the way in which that was um, falsified or deceptively characterized. Okay, Um, we've been waiting for a year to know what was Bragg's theory going to be. Remember Bragg comes into office first, declines to do the case, And um, we knew of of the payoffs, and we knew they were false, but um, without completely uh, going into all the legal arcana, um, remember that they needed to have a second crime, that the falsification, the misidentification of the business records in New York, which were where he claimed them, as uh, business expenses is a straightforward violation but it's a misdemeanor and to make it a felony you need it needs to be to further another crime what was that other crime going to be? Well, when okay. Bragg brought his indictment, he basically said, I'm not going to tell you. I don't have to choose now. It could be any of several. Maybe uh, it's in furtherance of an election law violation under New York or federal law. Maybe it's in violation of a tax uh, law and a, and a tax scheme. And you may recall, each of them had some possible problems. There was also a wire fraud. And when the complaint actually, uh, the indictment actually came down, it was agnostic. It was basically, we'll tell you later. So Trump predictably responded with what is called a bill of particulars. He said, tell me more about exactly what you're charging me with so I can prepare my defense. That's a constitutional requirement. And um, today, The DA answered and basically said, nah, I don't have to, because the the requirement for a bill of particulars is that a defendant, having received it or has a right to get it, if he or she isn't able to prepare a solid defense without knowing more details, it's to be able to meet the charges against them. And the um, DA was perfectly non-committal or agnostic on it all. He said, "Look, we've got this 34-count uh, uh, complaint and 15 pages. It gives them enough detail, and the and the charges could be yeah. under the tax code, could be under state." Election law could be under federal election law, he knows enough to prepare his defense and we can we can try to prove all of the above uh, and uh, argue them all to the jury. We don't have to choose now, either way it would still be the basic crime of the misidentification of the business records and we're not required to actually, you know, nail down precisely what the auxiliary crime is that ups the ante on um, Trump. So we'll see what the judge does with that. And it might be a good issue on appeal for Trump as well. If the uh, continued sort of uh, indecision and playing it loose by the DA is adequate under the constitution, uh, and that would mean it's adequate for Trump, to be able to prepare a defense. Seems to me it probably is, right? He just has to uh, be able to focus on the different theories. That doesn't mean you can't prepare a defense. But the bottom line here is he said, I don't know what you're saying exactly. What's your precise theory? Uh, here's my bill of particulars. And the DA write, come, comes back and said, and you know what? You don't have to. Uh, here are the different things it could be, but in terms of the statement of facts and what you did, it's all laid out in our 15 books and the Fort So there you have it. We will now go to the, the judge who may rule that Bragg has to give more, or he may um, say, no, that's enough. Uh, I've uh, talked to you before about New York Law saying that the, that the prosecution doesn't have to choose in advance, so that would suggest that it's okay. Um, but it would also, I think, produce a um, uh, distinct issue on appeal. So there you have it. Let's see what the judge does with the Bill of Particulars and the basic non-response, no, 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 I don't have to, uh, response by the DA. Talk to you later. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this video and other Talking Feds content, please take a second to like and subscribe talk to you later shit and garlic
2: right Mm. pretty good That's for a white girl not bad
3: Down. Trump predictably responded with what is called a bill of particulars. He said, tell me more about exactly what you're charging me with so I can prepare my defense. That's a constitutional requirement. And um, today, the DA answered and basically said, nah, I don't have to. Mm-hmm because the the requirement for a bill of particulars is, is that a defendant having received it or has a right to get it if he or she isn't able to prepare a solid defense without knowing more details it's to be able to meet the charges against them and the um VA was perfectly non-committal or agnostic on it all he said look We've got this 34-count uh, uh, complaint and 15 pages. It gives them enough detail, and their, and the charges could be yeah. under the tax code, could be under state election law, could be under federal election law. He knows enough to prepare his defense, and we can, we can try to prove all of the above. Uh, and uh, argue them all to the jury. We don't have to choose now. Either way, it would still be the basic crime of the misidentification of the business records, and we're not required to actually you know, nail down precisely what the auxiliary crime is that ups the ante on um, Trump. So we'll see what the judge does with that, and it might be a good issue on appeal for Trump as well if the uh, continued sort of uh, indecision and playing it loose by the D.A. is adequate under the Constitution, uh, and that would mean it's adequate to for Trump to be able to prepare a defense. Seems to me it probably is, right? He just has to uh, be able to focus on the different theories. That doesn't mean you can't prepare a defense, but the bottom line here is he said i don't know what you're saying exactly what's your precise theory uh here's my bill of particulars and the da right comes back and said and you know what you don't have to